Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces, and welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today in this podcast, we're going to talk about near-death experiences. We'll lead off with Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. We'll have many other scriptures that we reference and read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So with near-death experience being to the forefront of our minds, well, let's just dig right in. Right. Near-death experience, or the biblical dead experience, which is the one we should choose. This uh, current event episode is about the film After Death, uh, which is getting a lot of viewings, and its relevance to Scripture. I did not go to see the film, but I've been studying NDEs and have taught on the subject over the decades. NDEs being near-death Near-death experience, yeah. yes. That's the cool way to say near-death. That's the cool way. That's what's in the <laughs> literature. In all the literature, it's NDE. Well, we don't need, this is the Christian expectation, we don't need an NDE to know the life to come. If we need something besides Christ and Scripture, then we're not believing the Word as we should. Mm. For sure, God can grant a trip to heaven. But the NDEs do not stack up well against Scripture. First, hear this from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So this speaks of death, a real kind of death that is the main death in Scripture, our death to sin, so we can be alive to the Lord. If we've been raised with Christ, this picks up from chapter 2 Colossians, where he ended with the um, baptismal experience. So if we've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. In other words, we should, in fact, be concerned about things above. Mm. And the things above, not on things on the earth. That's where our mind should be. Because you have died. And this is also explained by Paul in Romans chapter 6 extensively as well. So in one true sense, we're not near death. We have died. We are dead already. We are dead already. Yeah. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if we went up there, would we see it right now? I don't know. It's hidden with Christ. <laughs> when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, which is, I think, what NDEs, NDEs are aiming for, some kind of experience of glory. We all so, want glory. We all want glory, sure. Who doesn't want good, good glory? What is a near-death experience? And from now on, of course, we will just use NDE to reference that. It's an experience where a person believes that he or she is dead. Now, let me just say, being nearly dead is like being nearly pregnant. <laughs> it's not like a Princess Bride where he's mostly dead. He's mostly dead. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Right. So a person who has an NDE is nearly dead and is outside his body and sees heavenly things and people. For example, this is from the Christian Post of October 31st of this year and a review of the movie we just referenced. Here is a testimony it's in the movie, of Captain Dale Black describing his near-death experience from a plane crash some 50 years ago. Quote, I can say that I was above my body. I saw my body. Thus, let me stop the quote right there. Thus, an NDE is also an OBE, yeah, yeah. out-of-the-body experience. Yeah. So if we say OBE from now on, that's out-of-the-body experience. They, they go together. <clears throat> and not an order of the British Empire. It's no, a no. different OBE. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, not that. 
expand. I shall expand um, with the quote. Back to the quote. According to the uh, post, he says that with his out-of-the-body experience, he also came to the knowledge of divine things he had never known or studied. Mm. End of quote. Now, we could go on with literally thousands of these kinds of testimonies, but this one's clear enough to get the point we want to make. Here is a clear statement of the next thing he says. Quote, one of the things he learned, okay, that he could never have known or studied. The real us is our spirit. That's what lives eternally. Now, as soon as I see that, I say, well, what about 1 Corinthians 15, 52, 53? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Exactly. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians uh, is essential to understanding the real us, which is what we're going to be uh, in times to come, immortal, because of the resurrection of the body. He goes on to talk about the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely necessary because if he wasn't resurrected, everything we do as Christians is a waste of time. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm. So here's my point. What he states there, my spirit, the spirit that got free from the body, that is pure Gnosticism. It's something that's found in 1 John and other places uh, in Scripture, Colossians, where the essential you, and we've done this before on the LGBT movement, the essential you is the inward you, the spirit you. So you don't need a body. Biology is not necessary. And this is just saying the same thing from a different field of reference mm -hmm. than NDE. Mm -hmm. And don't need a resurrection, which contradicts scripture time and time and time again. The film features the NDEs of Pastor Don Piper. His uh, movie is uh, 60 Minutes in Heaven, or his book. And um, I've seen a documentary on Don Piper. Dr. Mary Neal, uh, who wrote a book, To Heaven and Back, and I've seen the documentary on her in times past. She was in a kayaking accident and was upside down and drowned, but didn't die. She was nearly dead. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's an NDE. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor John Brooke, who had one, he wrote a book called Imagine Heaven, and Dr. Jeffrey Long, Evidence for the Afterlife. And then, of course, the famous Dr. Raymond Moody, who back in the 70s started all this with a book called Life After Life. Uh, here is uh, Wikipedia's uh, summary of NDE experiences as Dr. Moody uh, researched them and found them in dealing with people who say they have had these. An overwhelming feeling of peace and well-being, including freedom from pain. The impression of being found outside one's physical body, floating or drifting through darkness, sometimes described as a tunnel. Becoming aware of a golden light, meeting and perhaps communicating with a being of light, having a rapid succession of visual images of one's past, and experiencing another world of much beauty. Some of the commonalities that NDEs all have is an intense feeling of unconditional love. Now, they have these. Once in a while, I suppose you'll get an NDE that doesn't mention this, but these are common in NDE experiences. Meeting a deity or an angelic person in the light, a lot of these sometimes are culturally uh, acclimated. In other words, if you go back to the Middle Ages, as others have done, and I've read books by people who did the research, uh, the NDEs back there reflected the culture of their day mm. and their understandings of deities and gods and so forth. Meeting deceased loved ones, having a life review where you know your life flashes before you, mm -hmm. 
a reluctance to return. You don't want to come back to this life. And there's another problem, you see. I want to stay a spirit forever. So where's the resurrection? Mm -hmm. And OBE ends with a BBE. Now, okay, BBE, that's Jim Goebbels. <laughs> back in the body experience. You go from an OBE to a BBE. All right. Well, these NDE experiences have in common out-of-body experiences, meeting dead loved ones, interactions sometimes with Jesus, God, uh, though not always, of course, amazing visuals, and we might also add that NDEs also have negative experiences. The smaller percentage is negative. Demonic visions of hell and things like that. And they all tend toward Gnosticism, the idea that what's real is the spirit, the body is secondary mm. and is unnecessary, which is why we have this LGBT stuff going on today because they don't believe in biology. Mm. You know, the real you is in here. Well, unfortunately, sometimes Christians promote that too, but that's for another podcast. The problem with verifying all this can be seen in the book, and it was made into a TV movie back in 2010. Perhaps some of you out there in podcast land saw it. It's called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven by Kevin and Alex Malarkey. Now, <laughs> irony alert. <laughs> irony alert. It's a load of malarkey. <laughs> Six-year-old Alex had, he said, an NDE after an accident, of course. Nearly died, but wasn't. And he visited heaven, saw angels, heard unearthly music, and met Jesus. Millions of copies were sold. It didn't happen. Alex recanted everything, and Lifeway Christian bookstores pulled the copies. You were hit by a car and knocked out of your shoes. Did you have an out-of-body experience? Nope. I was unconscious, and when I woke up, my father was carrying me. I was like uh, about six years old, and I said to Dad, am I going to die? And the look on his face was, mm, no, 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 <laughs> no, you're not going to die, you're not going to die. And clearly, I, I did not die. Um Common testimonies of those having had NDEs are that they no longer fear death. Mm. We'll address that in a little while. But if their faith is propagating false doctrine, like the spirit's the real thing and we don't need a body, whoa. The biggest problem is that NDEs make the Bible a secondary way of understanding life as well as life after death. And we might add, there's an occult connection to so many of these NDEs. Mm -hmm. For example... NDEs have, as we said, OBEs, out-of-body experience. Well, in the occult world, there are people who have astral projections. Mm -hmm. They let their spirit leave their body, and their spirit goes out and sees things halfway around the world or whatever, and then come back into their body. Uh, the connection, uh, wanting to connect with dead people is common with NDEs and occult. Getting so-called knowledge not available elsewhere, because the word occult means, guess what? That's what's hidden, and you can find out if you've got the right place to go and the dead people to ask. And, of course, getting connected to a higher power. Coincidence? I think not. We could spend a lot of time with these testimonies, but what saith the Scriptures? Here we go. This is cool. All these Scriptures we're going to read are really cool. People coming back from the dead. 1 Kings 17, 20, 24. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, 
your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Okay, not a word about what he saw in the afterlife. (laughs) Not a word. Um, And she now believes that Elijah is a man of God who has the word of God, not because her son came back and had stories to tell, but because he was brought back to life, Mm. which we might say is a resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yes. The lad says nothing about his journey to the afterlife. Keep in mind, this is not a near-death experience. The boy was dead. Dead, dead. Dead, dead, as I say in the book I wrote once. (laughs) Not nearly dead. 2 Kings 13, this is one of my more fun scriptures. In fact, we talked about in small group uh, last week. 2 Kings 13, 20 through 22. So Elijah died, and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elijah. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elijah, he revived and stood on his feet. Yes. And verse 22 says, Now Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. And of course, people today would read that and say, Whoa, whoa, I want to hear about this. The guy who came back from the dead and where he was and what happened and so forth and so on. Uh, But no interest. No interest. You know why, of course, if you did our Halloween podcast, because Israel was not allowed to have anything about inter- in interacting with the dead or investigating the dead mm-hmm. on all that stuff. So now we come to the New Testament. Really good. Luke 7, 11 through 17. This is the widow of Nain. She's lost her only male uh, support, her son, her only son. Everybody else is dead in her uh, life. And um, they're having a funeral and it's a sad occasion. Jesus shows up and brings him back to life. And that's what we pick up at Luke 7, 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a woman who had died was being carried out. Excuse me. A man who died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea, in the surrounding country. And the dead man sat up and began to speak and said, guess where I've been? (laughs) Guess what I've seen and who I've talked to? No, nary a word about where he'd been. The people were only impressed that he was back Mm -hmm. because this is a picture of a resurrection. Mm -hmm. Luke 8, 51 through 56, this is the story. It's two stories combined together. The woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, she's been healed by Jesus. Meanwhile, right before that, People from the um, leader of the synagogue's house had come because his daughter was nearly dead, truly nearly dead. But by the time he gets done with the woman who had been healed, um, she has died. And the uh, people from his place show up and say, don't bother to teach her anymore. So let's pick up it there. A Luke 8, 51 through 56. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, 
but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed them that they should give her something to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Her spirit returned. Not astral projection, because she was dead. Mm. And her spirit left her body. Spirit came back to her body. From where? Doing what? Her parents were told by Jesus, don't tell anyone what's happened. Why? Stifle worthless speculation. Don't pester the girl. Mm-hmm. Leave her alone. And uh, John 11, 45 through 48, listen to this. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Right. This is about um, raising the dead, in this case, Lazarus. Famous resurrection story of coming back from the dead. And again, we have no uh, word from Lazarus on what he did Mm. for those four days and where he was and what was going on. Uh, and, of course, the people involved here, his enemies, they have no interest in the afterlife. They're only interested in saving their skin and saving their power. So listen to verse 53. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Yes, put him to death. Here's another one. This is about Elijah and Moses. Luke 9, 28-31, the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Yeah, departure. In the Greek, the word is exodus. Mm. So were they talking about what Moses and Elijah have been doing in the afterlife or who they've seen or what they where they've gone? Nope. It's all about Jesus. And you'll see more and more all these things center around Jesus, the cross, the exodus, his leaving this life through cross and resurrection and going back to glory as a resurrected Christ. Now we come to this unique experience, Matthew 27, 50 through 54, and this is, takes place during the crucifixion of Jesus. This one word we have on people coming back from the dead during that period of time. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. So here we have people who have are known to the population there. They've been in the tombs. They come out after the resurrection of Jesus, you know, and show themselves to many. Mm. We have not a word about their experiences, mm-hmm. their faith, how it affected them. Not at all. But again, notice the centrality of the cross and this, their resurrection coming back from the dead. They were not nearly dead. They were dead. Mm-hmm. But they had nothing to say about where they had been. Acts 9 40 through 43, this is Peter raising uh, 
the well-known and, and apparently well-loved uh, Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on where you're at in the Bible, from the dead. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. Right. Again, no interest in where she had been or what she had done. The point here is that many heard and believed on Jesus. Then we have this curious one from a young man named Eutychus, which means lucky, <laughs> and uh, wasn't so lucky on this particular evening. Acts 20, 6 through 12. But he sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. I, <laughs> I love Luke in his understatement. His understatement, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were not a little comforted. Not a little yeah. comforted, yes. Eutychus. So what did Eutychus experience? Crickets. So, in summary, there are nine references we've looked at, people coming back from the dead, being dead. None discuss the afterlife. The conclusion, there were many opportunities to do so, but it's not part of holy revelation. We don't get it. So, let's move on now to the next section. What about those who actually saw heaven, who were actually brought up into heaven, are given a vision of heaven such that they believe themselves to be there? And let's look for ourselves and get a glimpse of scripturally authenticated visitations to heaven. The first one is Exodus 24, 9 through 11. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Yes, they saw the God of Israel. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu. They saw the uh, throneman in heaven and the, the blueness of the foundation and all of that. And he didn't lay his hand on them because, you know, the belief was you see God, you die. That's what Isaiah says in his great expression. But they beheld God and ate and drank. And this is not a near-death experience. This was why they were alive experience. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, okay, so this should have really improved their faith because we're... We already read the one expression of the one fella who said it really made him more faithful. Does it improve the life of faith? Does it deepen the spirit? Well, let's take a look later what happens to Nadab and Abihu. Leviticus 10, 1 through 3. Now Nadab and Abihu 
the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and had laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Yes, getting the trip to heaven is serious business, mm. and God takes it seriously. And did it deepen the faith of Nadab and Abihu? Apparently not. Didn't phase him. Interesting, huh? Mm -hmm. Now let's take a look at Ezekiel's experience and how it affected him. He also has this vision, and it's a, a heavenly one where he's going up there and seeing things of heaven and seeing God. Ezekiel 1, 26 and 27. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was the likeness with a human appearance. And upward from that, what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him. Yes, and getting a call to the prophetic ministry while they're in exile in Babylon, Ezekiel has this uh, experience, and these cherub come, four of them, and they're awesome creatures, wings and eyes and all that, and uh, they got the throne of God uh, on a chariot, and so he has this experience. So, as a result of this experience, we come to the second chapter of Ezekiel, verses, first of all, one through five. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know what, that a prophet has been among them. Yes. First of all, he was he was back on his back, had to be raised up on his feet by the Spirit who entered into him, and he's going to become a prophet. And, and instead of saying he's got great comfort in this, or he feels a lot of unconditional love, that God says, I'm going to send you to these people, and whether they hear or not, they'll know that a, a prophet has been among them. So how does that work out? Let's look at verses 8 through 10. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like the that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Yes, God says to Ezekiel, after this great experience of seeing heaven and being in the presence of God and all those heavenly creatures, uh, what does God say to him? Don't be rebellious like these people. Mm. Doesn't sound like it's an increase in faith. It's a challenge of faith because he's got to be a prophet now and it's going to be difficult to fulfill that role. It's ch He's being challenged. You really don't get a lot of that mm -hmm. in NDEs, if at all. Then let's see a similar experience with Isaiah, which he has in chapter 6, which he relays to us, the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Yes. Notice his first experience of God, like uh, with uh, Aaron and Moses and Abihu and Nadab, is God is holy because the experience there in heaven, the, the sapphire, the throne and all that is meant to invoke holiness. Mm. Isaiah sees the uh, creatures, the seraphim, going around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. And then, of course, what happens? Isaiah is charged with uh, a duty which is going to be difficult, to mm -hmm. be a prophet for God. Likewise, we see this matter of being impressed by the holiness of heaven when you get there, have a vision there. Daniel 7, 9 through 10. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its heels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I saw the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nation, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. These visions of heaven are all very exalted. They deal with the holiness of God. White as snow, like pure wool, wool flames of fire, stream of fire came out from his throne. Uh, that's all about holiness. And then he sees the, uh, the procession, which is a prophecy about the coming kingdom of God and how it will encompass the whole earth. Where in NDEs do you get anything like this of an exalted vision? And Daniel wasn't having an NDE. He was having a vision truly of what heaven is like and heavenly truths. Well, here's another interesting vision of heaven. We don't have time to do the what I call the kind of uh, funny or comedic background to this, which, which it's there. But it's an insight into, again, what goes on in heaven. Well, what goes on in heaven? Here we go to Scripture. We don't go to people who have NDEs. We go to Scripture. So listen to this from 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. And the, the background is Jehoshaphat is there, Ahab is there, and they're going to have a war, and they need prophets, and all the prophets of Ahab are saying, it's going to go well, it's great, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to work out. And Jehoshaphat just doesn't trust that. Anybody else here? He says, oh, I got this guy, Micaiah. And he never says anything good about me. Well, so listen to this, 1 Kings 22, 19 through 23. And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. 
I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one, one said one thing and another another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. All right. So here's a kind of vision. And he brings it back faithfully. And, of course, Ahab says, uh, you're in jail now, bread and water. And he says, uh, do what you will. But uh, I have spoken the truth. This is what's going to happen. Where's the test of faithfulness for all these people with NDEs as we see these people these prophets, these individuals being tested, being challenged. And remember, this is a real vision he has of what's going on in heaven. It's not a near-death experience. Mm. So, in summary, true visions of heaven are being there present in heaven, emphasize the holiness of heaven, the holiness of God, a word, a challenge, and a test to follow. So, let's continue into the New Testament. This is a well-known parable of Luke 16, uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was sick and poor, covered with sores. He lived by the gate of a rich man. Rich man never took care of him, did anything for him. Lazarus dies and goes to Hades, but he's in that good part there with the bosom of Abraham. He's, he's fellowshipping with, with Abraham. Finally, the, uh, the rich man dies, and uh, he opens up his eyes uh, in Hades, the scripture says, and then uh, he realizes uh, he's in trouble. He says, Abraham, send Lazarus down to give me some water because I'm in torment in this flame. And yet the flame, obviously, is the flame of his conscience. It's not literal because the conversation goes on and on. And I don't know if you know it or not, but people who are burning up normally don't have rational, <laughs> lengthy conversations. And then we come to this, Luke 16, 27 through 31. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Okay, hear that. Moses and the prophets is, of course, Scripture, the mm -hmm. Old Testament. And there's plenty in there uh, uh, in the Old Testament about what we should do as human beings to avoid, you know, judgment of God and things of that sort. And uh, they have access to that. If someone were to come back from this place of, uh, uh, like, uh, the rich man is in, if Lazarus could come and bear testimony of that and explain it all, what is being said, though, in this parable is, you, you have the scripture. Hmm. You don't need any more information about the afterlife, one way or the other. That's what you need to believe. So... The world thinks if someone comes back from the dead, an NDE, a near-death experience, and it sounds convincing. But what Abraham is saying to this fella, the rich man, if someone who is truly dead comes back to bear testimony, it's a waste of time because no one's going to believe it. In other words, if you don't believe the Bible to begin with, why should a near-death experience do something for you? Mm. This is not the uh, only look we get about... Uh, the, the, the bad side of an NDE because we do have hell in the Bible and book of Revelation, the lake of fire, but we have nothing as to what goes on there. 
no information at all. Now, uh, we have no doubt that God can give someone a vision of heaven who isn't quite dead. But what we say is they just don't match up with what we find in scriptures. And since we are told not to go beyond what is written, I mean, that's what we just heard basically in that parable. They have Moses and the prophets. Mm -hmm. Read that and get your information there and you avoid this place. You don't need a testimony from someone else to convince you. Here's 1 Corinthians 4, 6. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what was written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Yes. Don't go beyond what is written. He's applying it to their situation in Corinth, but that, that's from the Old Testament. You know, and Jesus is using it in that parable when he has Abraham talk to that rich fella. Scripture is sufficient for so many things. Here is Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. And when they say to you, inquire of the medians and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to his word, it is because they have no dawn. Right. Note the occult reference here. Again, with the interest in what's going on with the dead, we need to understand that. And what is told these people by Isaiah the prophet, to the teaching and the testimony, that's obviously referencing scripture. If they don't speak according to this word, they have no dawn, no light in them. Exactly what we've been seeing now with the last few scriptures. But we got more. Listen to this from 2 John, verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And the teaching of Christ is, from this parable from Luke what we read, you know, you don't look for dead people to come back and give you help and affirmation that, you know, everything is real. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the scripture that brings you the reality of God through the Holy Spirit. We have Stephen's testimony, Acts 7, 54 through 60. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Uh, to get the vision of heaven Stephen had, you have to die a martyr. Mm. He had the vision while living and in dying forgave his killers. This was not an NDE, just the truth. And of course, Revelation 4, when John says, I heard a voice that says, through an open door, come up here. And immediately he was up in heaven and he saw God on the throne and he saw the creatures, holy cherubs of some kind circling that throne. And what did they say? They said, holy, holy, holy. They did not say love, love, love. Because these NDEs, a lot of them emphasize they just filled with unconditional love. We do not doubt the doctrine of unconditional love. We're saying, we look at scripture, which we're told is sufficient from the scriptures we just read. What are they impressed with? The people who go there. It's the holiness of the place. It's the holiness of God. Revelation uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Holy, 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 cry out those creatures circling the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. 
So Ezekiel, Moses, Daniel, Paul, John. Holiness is the primary experience when they get a trip to heaven, when they have a vision of heaven. Mm. That's what they're impressed with. Now, the people having NDEs who say they no longer fear death. Let's look at that. What does the Bible teach? Do we need an NDE to know that we no longer have to fear death? No, it says something else. As Abraham said to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophet, and we have the rest of Scripture. Listen to this from Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Did you hear that? Jesus delivers us from the fear of death, not an NDE. And then we have this to amplify it, 1 John 4, 17 through 19. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is also, we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And so why do we do we do need love, the unconditional love of God? We need to love God. When do we need it? We need it now. We need our love to grow now so we won't have the fear of death, that fear of punishment. We don't need an NDE. And what about those validating experiences that NDEs have? Well, listen to this from 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. No NDE for Christians, but the full experience that comes from Jesus, whom we have not seen. The experience here is not an afterlife one, it's a this life one. And yet it's beyond words, says Peter, inexpressible when you have that joy of the Lord. This is how we complete and obtain our final salvation, according to Peter, before we see him. And by the way, we don't seek this experience without seeking first the one who gives us that experience, which is Jesus. And finally, we save the best for last. Paul took a trip to heaven. Mm. It's extraordinary. It's found in 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to read the few verses and make comments about what we need to understand in reference to NDEs. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. 14 years ago, that's before he even started his missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. It was early on. Um, OBE, out of the body experience, just about every NDE experience I've read, they're always OBEs. They're out of their body. And they're sure of it. Paul isn't. He says, in the body, out of the body, I don't know. God knows. God knows. So, because this isn't an NDE, it's a real thing. Verses 3 and 4. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Paul says nothing about what he saw, full stop. He did hear things, but they are too holy to be repeated down here on earth. He had a real trip to glory, and he has nothing that he can report. Mm. <laughs> That's not a near-death experience. That's a real experience. Yeah. Difference. Verses 7 and 8. 
So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded for the Lord about this, that it should leave me. A trip to heaven results in submission to the disciplines of God. I've never read that mm. in a near-death near experience. And it's an uncomfortable experience. It's not one where you felt Clearly. the uh, unconditional love of God. It's, it's a very uncomfortable one. But God does it to Paul because he loves Paul. So listen to verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's right. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Take it in. So what we've been hearing in all this is what a real vision or trip to heaven entails. These are nothing like an NDE. We will close with the words of Jesus to Thomas, which if taken to heart will cure us of any need of an NDE. John 20, 24, 28. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Thomas, a true evidentiary scientist. Show me the proof. He gets it, and bless his heart, he surrenders to it, and makes a great confession. My Lord and my God. Probably while falling to his knees. But what does Jesus say? Very next verse, verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who are the ones who are truly blessed? Not the NDEs, but those who believe and yet have not seen. To sum up, by way of contrast, uh, comparing what we've read now in Scripture, and we could go on for two hours, three hours with this, uh, with the NDEs. Intense feelings of unconditional love? No, a lot more about the holiness of God and what heaven is like, and what is expected of people who are there and once they leave there. Meeting deceased loved ones to have conversations, not in view. Hmm. Seeing one's life in review, nope. Simply told, your life now must be faithful to the commission you've, you've given. Um, a reluctance to return, not mentioned. Uh, Out-of-the-body experience, the one which is clear about it, absolutely says, I have no idea. I was focused on other things. Mm -hmm. Meeting a deity, well, God is present. We've seen that in the... Uh, mountain with uh, Aaron and Moses and uh, uh, Elihu and, uh, and Nadab, but, um, and Jesus here in the New Testament, but nothing like it's described in NDEs. In short, as to near-death experiences, what Jesus said to Thomas is the Christian expectation. And as John said in 2 John 9, don't go beyond Jesus or the experiences that Jesus grants in this life. Just go to Jesus. That's the Christian expectation. Well, thanks, Jim. You've given us a lot to think about, and we hope you are still there in the body. Hey, yes, <laughs> yes. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com or put your question or comment in the uh, comments of the, of the podcast, and we'll be sure to answer you. 
This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations, and until next time, keep looking up.